Welcome to The Power of Potential, a podcast hosted and produced by St. Rose High School in Belmar, New Jersey. The show is dedicated to helping parents navigate the world of private education while showcasing the potential of its students, teachers, and alumni. St. Rose High School has been empowering potential since 1923. Now, here are your hosts, Director of Communications, Michael Falgaris, and from the class of 2024, Ariana Simon. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Power of Potential podcast. I'm Michael Falgaris. And I'm Ariana Simon. Welcome to episode eight. Can you believe it? We're here at episode eight. I can't believe it. It's gone fast. It's gone so fast. And we're here right at the bell, the Sisters of St. Joseph or the sisters who really started, found it, St. Rose High School. We're coming up on our centennial. Do you know what that is, centennial? What yes, number that is? That's 100 years. That's right. 100. Mm-hmm. You got it. Uh, in in uh, class of 2023. So in 1923 was when we first started. And here we are approaching 2023, 100 years. And so we're excited to have two of the sisters of St. Joseph here with us today. Sister Marie O'Hagan. And Sister Kathleen Boyle, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. So, sisters, I thought it would be great if we could get together just to learn a little bit more about the history of the Sisters of St. Joseph, how they founded um, their order, how they came to America, you know, the kind of the history behind St. Rose High School, and then just kind of learn a little bit more about both of you. Okay. All right. Sounds so, sounds like a good plan. It's a great that's, plan, right? It's the plan we planned for. Right. So that's good. <laughs> so good. That's the thing you kept that's to the good. script. I kept to the script. <laughs> Tell me first, just a, a, a little bit about you. Uh, you know, uh, uh, as yourself about myself. Yeah. All right. So, um, Sister Maria O'Hagan. I was born in Philly. I've this is my second little stint here at St. Rose. I worked here ninety nine mm-hmm. to two thousand ten. Then took a little uh, trip to some other places and returned three years ago. Um, because I love St. Rose. I love St. Rose. I love the opportunity to be part of the St. Rose community. So I've been teaching for about 40 years um, and enjoying every moment of it. So, And what about you, sister? Okay, I'm also from Philadelphia originally. <laughs> um, I was taught by the Sisters of St. Joseph in uh, elementary school. Uh, so um, and I entered the community. I've been in many places. Um, I never actually taught in Philadelphia, which my mother always said, why well, can't you ever teach in Philadelphia? Um, I always seem to be out of town, and I'm heading south. So most of my missions have been down south. So actually, St. Rose is one of the closest places I've been to home when I came to St. Rose. Oh, I didn't um, realize that. Yeah, yes, uh, and I've been here 15 years now, so I have loved every minute of it. Tell, so, so tell me a little bit about how you individually, you know, what made you get into becoming a nun and going into the, that order? Because right. I know my understanding is you can choose you can choose the order that you want to be part of. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. O- oftentimes people say, "Why did you choose to be a sister?" And for me, it's actually feeling of being chosen that someone chose me to do this particular ministry or vocation. So I grew up in a family where faith was important, as well as looking out for people who are in need. And I think those two elements work together to give me the the feel that a vocation to religious life would fit my faith and my desire to help others. So um, I had the Sisters of St. Joseph in high school. They attracted me to their work because they were happy. They were kind and loving to each other. They were good teachers. They cared about people, and that was attractive. So after college, I went to college first, and I taught for a year, 
in order to prepare myself to say, yes, I will enter the convent. I entered without thinking I would ever stay. And really? Really. I didn't. I thought I'll be too homesick, but you know how God is. He gives you graces to do what you think you can't. So again, that was about 40 years ago, and Here it's been are. marvelous. Did you ever have to wear a habit? Yes, we did have habits. Um, certainly not the habits. So back, I found the yearbook here. So these are sisters from it's the early days. Oh, so, well, look yeah. at that. These, I know. These I've were seen not habits. Photos. You've seen those photos. Yes. Ours was a more modified habit. And um, it had, there was a blessing to it in um, people recognizing who you were by what you wore. Sure. Mm. Um, but in the later years, we let go of the habit with the idea that people would recognize us more by who we are and how we um, interrelate with people rather than simply what we wear. Yeah. My so. elementary school, we had, um, sisters of St. Lucie Filippini and they wore habits. And so when we came here and you're both sisters and I, it was like a moment where I was like, Oh, you don't wear habits. Right. And it was kind of different yes. for me mm-hmm. to go from that to you wearing mm-hmm. like normal clothes. Right. Um, but you can like kind of tell, even though you're not in a habit that yes. you're sisters and that you're kind and all of that. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> what about you, Sister Kathleen? Okay, well, um, when I was in senior year in high school, I never thought about being a sister until I was a senior. Um, and it all came about because all my friends were going to be nurses, and they all wanted me to be a nurse, and I just knew I could not be a nurse. And I always thought that I would be a teacher, but I never thought about being a sister. And one night I was sitting in my bedroom, And I was really sitting at my desk doing my homework, and I was looking out my window, and I'm thinking, okay, now what am I going to do? Everybody's already settled. Uh, Here I am, senior. I don't know what I'm going to do. And the thought entered my head, why don't you be a sister? And I'm like, where'd that come from? (laughs) And I was like, no, 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 no. Forget that. (laughs) Like, push Push that out. out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I kind of did. And I actually, I didn't enter right from high school. I worked for a year because I decided I would just work for a year and think about what I wanted to do. And I kept trying to push that thought out of my head because I wasn't wasn't a... uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, um, excited about that at first, you know, but it never went away. Um, it just, that thought always just sort of stayed in my head. So I think God just kept saying, come on, <laughs> this is what I want you to do. And I finally realized that really was what God wanted me to do. So I took the steps that I needed to do, talk to people and so forth. And I had been praying about it and I've never, I never looked back. I never regret it. I just always knew from the moment I entered that it was really the right thing. And it was what God wanted me to do. It's such an interesting story because I think some people think that it is something that you always wanted, you know, you you looked at that vocation, that's something you always wanted to be a part of, Mm -hmm. but to hear that that was something that maybe entered into your head and you were trying to kind of push it down, Mm -hmm. but that it was continuing to come to the surface. I also think my dad had a part in it because my dad was very um, faith-filled. Well, so was my mom too, but my dad, um, he was so excited when I told him I was going to be a sister. I, I, ha- I got this feeling like, I wonder if he's been praying about this forever. Uh. Like, I wonder, you know, I, I did. I used to go to Mass with him during Lent, every every Lent. And I used to think, oh, well, he's probably kneeling there praying next to me that I would become a sister. It was probably because uh, he was so happy when I told him I wanted to become a sister. So that's what made me think that. <laughs> Can I but, piggyback on that? Yeah. Speaking of dads, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know this, but when I told my father that I wanted to go in the convent, he went upstairs to his bureau drawer and got out a prayer that he had prayed since he got married, a prayer for a family vocation. And mm-hmm. he had always prayed, and I guess back in our, the day mm-hmm. of our parents, that was a 
you know, a, a desire of theirs that someone in their family would become religious. And the funny thing was, my sister had seen the prayer once, and she said to me, I'm glad it was you, because I knew it wasn't me, and I didn't want Daddy to be disappointed. <laughs> oh. Well, because I always think, what, what, do, what do parents think? Right. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes mm-hmm. they have this vision of what they want their child to become, you know, right. starting their family and, and what that life will mm-hmm. bring. Mm-hmm. But to hear that both of your parents were supportive of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. they maybe even prayed for it. I don't think my mom was as excited. I mean, she was okay with it, but I don't think she was as excited as my father. Matter of fact, he was telling everybody before I even got accepted. And I told him, please don't tell people because if I don't get accepted, I'm going to be so embarrassed that I, the nuns didn't even want me, you know? So I said, Dad, we don't want right. to accept it. Then stop telling people, you know? So, yeah, he was, um, yeah. So I, I just, my grandmother actually told me that my dad almost was a priest, until he met my mother. Mm-hmm. He was thinking about being a priest. And then he, my grandmother told me that story. And she said, I often think that your father was hoping or praying that one of his children would have a vocation because then I guess it would help him not feel as guilty that he didn't follow, you know, being a priest. But, you know, yeah. So. Well, it, it is always something that has been on my mind when I was much younger. Mm-hmm. And it, but it was it was always that barrier of not being able to have a family yes. that mm-hmm. yes. you know, prevented me from like moving forward to the next steps. And maybe you know we we, we have a great campus minister here, Mr. Petrillo. Yes. You know, I know he started that process, mm-hmm. right. but you know perhaps as we grow in the future, things might change. Do you do you see th- things changing even in your last forty years in the Catholic Church? Well, certainly. So let me just make a comment about the children part. Um, I think part of the part of the gift, many gifts of teaching, is that, that the students you teach, they're not your children, but spiritually, there's a spiritual relationship there, mm. which fulfills, I think, some of the family desire that one would want. Um, so it's mm. a real gift and blessing to be part of education, to have those children and not have to pay their college tuition. But, <laughs> but not every sister is a teacher. No. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause right. we have a, we have a convent here at St. Rose. Right. And you have many sisters that are not involved in education. Right. There's a, a wide variety of ministries that we are involved in. And, and I have a feeling that in each ministry, the relationships that we have with families, with um, single people in our, um, in our work fulfills part of that, generativity that people desire to mm. either to have yeah. children or in a sense to have a spiritual mm-hmm. um, mothering so to speak and, and I, yes. I, I piggyback on what sister just said I use your terminology <laughs> um, uh, you do you become part of you, you don't realize how much you become part of people's other people's lives and and their families just an example um, a friend of mine who I've been friends with for 25 years her son, I met her when her son was only in second grade, and he just got married two years ago. And when he was getting married, she said to me, I really want you to be at the wedding, but Jonathan just wants family at the wedding. He just only wants mm. a very small wedding, and he just wants family. And then she said, he asked her, um, and then all of a sudden I got an invitation to the shower. I'm thinking, okay, well, if I'm not going to the wedding, but I'm going to the shower. Well, right. here, um, and I called her. She said, oh, she, I couldn't wait till you got that. She said, Jonathan called me the other night and said to me, um, Mom, what's Sister Kathy's address? And so she said, what do you need her address for? And he said, well, Mom, I, I need to send her an invitation to the wedding. And he says, well, you told me you only wanted families. That's why I didn't say anything to her. He says, Mom, she's been part of our family since I was in second grade. She's oh, family. Wow. And so I think that just sort of really like sort of brought that home, you know. Um, <gasps> what a good story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you chose the Sister of St. Joseph's because they 
they seem to be having fun. Exactly. And fun's important, right? Exactly. And did you feel the same way? Um, I felt like I really fit with the Sisters of St. Joseph. I, ha- I did have them in grade school, um, all through grade school. But then when I went to high school, the, Philad- the high schools in Philadelphia, they had many different religious communities teaching within the high school. Like oh. There was like five or six different religious communities. Okay. And so all of a sudden when I just became like, obvious that this is what God wanted me to do. I'm thinking, well, how do you decide? Like, how do you decide? Like all these right. different communities. And, um, and then it, it just really came down to like, um, like sister Marisa, where I felt like I fit the best. And as I, I did investigate the different communities. I actually went to their mother houses and everything. But when I got to Chestnut Hill, I just felt at home. You know, I felt like I fit here, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I think later on after you enter, you learn it's the charism of the sisters and, you know, and, you know, their sense of uh, welcome and caring and hospitality and so forth. So I think that's probably why I, I felt like I fit there. So give me a little history about the Sisters of St. Joseph and Chestnut Hill and how it all came to be first in, in, in Philadelphia. Great. Okay. Well, um, we would trace our roots back to France in 1650. There were a group of six women, and they wanted to live a religious life, but one that was different from what was commonplace at that time. Women religious at that time were um, secluded, contemplative. They did not go out into the world to do works. They stayed in one place. Well, these six women didn't want to do it that way. They Hmm. were living in a very... um, I guess poor, it was a poor time in um, France for many reasons, and they wanted to go out into the community. So under the guidance of a Jesuit priest, they began a religious community that was more apostolic than contemplative. So it was revolutionary at that time, although we know we have both lifestyles now. There are contemplative sisters and apostolic, meaning you move out into your um, ministry. So those sisters, uh, they were in existence for a good number of years, and then when the French Revolution came along, they were sequestered. Um, The church had many problems. Five of the sisters of St. Joseph were guillotined at that time. Really? Yes, you could lose your head as a sister back then. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they left? No, uh, because of the troubles between the, the church and people. The church was so connected with the government and... There's oh. historical mm-hmm. reasons that I can't get into because okay. I don't remember them all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess maybe about 100 years after that, the congregation was refounded. And in their refounding, America, of course, had been discovered, and the immigra- immigrants who came to the United States needed assistance. So the Archbishop of St. Louis asked for sisters to come. So the first sisters of St. Joseph went to St. Louis, which makes sense when you think of the French. They, they landed at New Orleans, oh, the Mississippi right. River, established themselves in St. Louis as the first sisters of St. Joseph mother house in the U.S. And then the Archbishop of St. Louis had a brother who was an Archbishop of Philadelphia. And he asked, send me some of those sisters. And the motto that was verbalized at that time was that these were women ready for any good work. So the works were diverse. Most people associate religious life with teaching, but there's a great diversity, and Mm -hmm. that diversity has kind of revived itself since Vatican Council II. So sisters came to Philly, and then from Philly we went to Brentwood, we went to um, Pittsburgh. There's a lot of foundations in 
our country now of, and we're connected. We have a federation of sisters, even though we're independent from each other. And so there's multiple mm-hmm. mother houses. Right. Multiple mother houses, mm-hmm. right. Many of, some of those mother houses are combining, consolidating, because there are, as we know, a mm-hmm. lessening of vocations to religious life. Similarly, there's a lessening of marriage commitments, and yes. you know, there is a little commitment issue, perhaps. So we have about 600 sisters now of Philadelphia Sisters of St. Joseph. Oh. Mm-hmm. Although when I entered in 1977, there would have been 2,200. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. That's right. considerably right. less, right? Now, the numbers will never become high again because, in a sense, that was a that was an anomaly in history that there would be so many sisters. So, in 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 that in the seventies, or just because all along they were they because you, you continue it's a lifelong commitment and it just a lot of people during that time and it just keeps com- compounding. Yes, but I, I think the experience that people had where maybe a school would have 20 sisters, that will never happen again. Oh. Now, I, I perhaps should say not, not never, but those numbers were not the norm. If you go through church history, religious communities were never as large as they would have been maybe in the 50s and the 1950s and 60s. Hmm. Never mm. that large. However, <laughs> that being said, I don't know about Sister Kathleen, but I firmly believe there are young people being called to religious life who are either not aware of that call, are afraid of a commitment, or haven't been um, fostered to consider that as a viable Mm -hmm. way of living. Well, maybe you can speak as the youth here, but when you were sitting at your desk as a senior looking out, you're kind of like reflecting Mm -hmm. You, you were in front of a phone or a device that you're always engaged with. Do you feel like as a youth that you're less reflective? I mean, I think I'm the anomaly because I think a lot, maybe too much about <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff. But I feel like now because we have so many things to distract ourselves from going to church and even just praying that it's way harder for like to have that moment Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. where you're just sitting at your desk and then you have that like thought in your head and it won't go away. I feel like that doesn't really happen anymore because everyone is always so preoccupied with technology or their friends that are texting them or whatever it is that you kind of miss out on those moments where you could possibly like realize a big life changing Mm. thing but you, you never let yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. And I try, and sometimes I fail, but I try my mm-hmm. best to really think about like what I'm doing and if the decisions I'm making are right for my future and all of that because it's important. And I think that every decision you make leads to like the next step. Like Even your, each of your decisions to go and spend a year before you decided to join mm-hmm. the order, it's like that year was what they you needed before you could do any, you could join. Mm-hmm. So I think that having that time to think was extremely important and it still is, but I feel like kids my age don't think it's important anymore. Which is similar to like a gap year now, they call it. Yeah. I also just back to a little bit of the history for a minute. I think it's just interesting to mention that St. John Newman had a big um, part in our community settling at Chestnut Hill. Um, And we actually have his chalice in our archives that he used whenever he said mass at our mother house. And um, he, he was a, 
um, he was a bishop. He was a re- he was a redemptorist, and he belonged to a redemptorist community. But he was the bishop. He became after I, I, was he right after Ken. Um, he was the fourth bishop of Philadelphia, and he had a um, you know he had a major um, part in our community, being yeah. at Chestnut Hill. And like I said, we have we have his chalice in our archives from when he used to say mass for us at the at the mother house. So how did it go from Philadelphia to Belmar and St. Rose and the founding uh, of our of our school? Do, mm-hmm. do you know a little bit about that history? Yes. Well, um, my understanding is, so St. Rose High School started in 1923. Right. And so the pastor of St. Rose, which I believe his name is McConnell, he would have had, he's established an elementary school. He wanted sisters. So he would have asked the bishop of the diocese, who would have then written to religious communities can you send some sisters here? So that would be oh. how that started, the mm-hmm. you know, religious communities. So people have loved St. Rose for all these years. Mm-hmm. So although the the school itself is not like our school, Sisters of St. Joseph, right. we have academies, there is the spirit of the Sisters of St. Joseph throughout this community. Because if it wasn't for them coming, yes, we might right. not have right. been founded. That's right, and that's what right. we what we call our charism. Each religious community, what are the charisms? Right, each each religious community has its particular spirit and its particular mission. So our mission is unity and reconciliation. That that is the key part to anything that we do as sisters. So including people, right, building that sense of family, which here is here at Saint Rose. Huge. It's like yes. number one thing people say about yes. Saint Rose. And then the other one is hospitality. Our charism is which goes hand in hand with unity. People need to feel comfortable and at home, right? So that mm-hmm. they're the two aspects of our life that attract you. And our mission is that we work that all people will be united with God and with one another. So it's that whole relationship idea that's that's just part of our DNA. Which yeah. your work now would be more important mm-hmm. if you think about history. Exactly. Right. Yes. Well, this is also the year of this of Saint Joseph. Yes. So how, how does Saint Joseph play in the Sisters of Saint Joseph? Yes. Because well. um. I know we had we had uh, you know a whole. Pl- the whole like uh, the slideshow that I'm showing here right. that you put together on 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 yes. Saint Joseph. Is there anything that? Yes, he. Um, well, our community obviously, our founder named us the Sisters of Saint Joseph. So the name came from our founder, uh, okay. Father Pierre Madai. He was a Jesuit priest in France, and that's who we were founded by. So he gave us the name, um, the Sisters of Saint Joseph. Uh, but for us, St. Joseph, you know, if you notice in Scripture, St. Joseph never says anything. He's mm. sort of, you know, he's a presence, and um, you hear about him, but he's never, there's no recorded words of Joseph in Scripture. So, um, but yet he is such a um, major figure in the birth of Christ and, and all that happened there. Um, and and so, he, you know, that um, we're, we're very, our part of our charism, too, is to be very, like, unassuming, like, um we don't, so we do things very quietly, like Joseph did. You know, um, there was a, uh, I, I don't know, it was a, I don't know who it was that they asked. I forget who it was. It was, I don't know if it was a priest or, or someone. And they said if the bishop asked, you know, there was this mountain, and they wanted it in Philadelphia, and they wanted it moved. And they said, you know, if they asked the sisters of Immaculate, if they asked the sisters of Mercy to do it, 
you know, there would have been TV, you know, TV cameras and everything, <laughs> and, and they would have moved the mountain, you know, but everybody would have known about it, you know. Right. If the Sisters of the Immaculate Heart, you know, moved the mountain, they would be very, um, you know, tedious about it and making sure everything was planned out and whatever. And when the Sisters of St. Joseph went to move it, it would have been moved in the middle of the night when no one knew, and the next morning it would have been the mountain would have been moved. Right. And so that's kind of like reflective of who we are. I remember here at St. Rose, actually, we had somebody who wanted to. Um, it was all about marketing our place. Like this was a few years ago, and Sister Kathy was still here, and they yeah. brought someone in, and he said, "You know, you don't talk about yourselves enough. You don't, you know, put yourselves out there." Yes. And I remember raising my hand and saying, "Well, that's because that's part of our our charism. We don't, we don't like." ourselves out there we we just sort of do what we do and you know it gets out there but we don't promote it in a sense generally we're just Mm -hmm. concerned about and so that's sort of you know which is very interesting to to also hear Mm -hmm. again so so we know the history now you you fill this in on that tell me where you think where we're where are we going next where where do you see this whether it's the sisters or yourselves i know you both are making moves in your career if, if I call it, or your vocation mm-hmm. um just wanted to share a little bit about that because this whole this whole episode or the show that we have yes. is about potential yes. so i feel like we're always working towards living up to that potential yes. you know yep. where where do you see yourself in that in that uh goal of living toward towards your full potential right well i guess i have to be honest and this would go back to joseph joseph was a listener so our potential is taught based on our listening to God. So where does God want us to go next? Mm. Um, so praying, spending time in contemplation, and listening for that next step. So as Sisters of St. Joseph, our next step always depends on where does the world need us? Where is there, where is there suffering? Where is there disunity? And how can we be there in order not ourselves to bring unity, that would be, you know, a little conceited, but to work with God's grace to create unifying situations. Mm -hmm. So my sense is it will never be as clear-cut next steps. It'll just be like (laughs) sleeves rolled up, ears attentive, and eyes on God's people would be a phrase that we would use. Mm -hmm. Where are we Mm -hmm. being called to? Yeah. What about you? Just to be like that, to be open to any... Um, any and all good works, you know, that's what we've always been, you know, whatever is needed, we try to fill that need, like wherever the need is, you know, we, we got into education because at that time there were so many immigrants, that was the need yeah. for education, mm-hmm. but now that's not so much so now. And so all these other needs have opened up. And so we're trying to respond to that. We have sisters who have gone to the border, you know, that was a need the, you know, all the immigrants and all that was happening at the border. And so some of our sisters responded to that. And went to the border to, to work at the border. So it's sort of, as Sister said, it's, it's evolving. It's wherever we feel called, that God's calling us to use our, our gifts. And, and are you free to move? Like if you said, I want to go to the border, you know, after mm-hmm. the school year is closed out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Are you yes. allowed to just go? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I mean, you mm-hmm. support that, yes. So where where is God calling you? Where is the need for you? I know, Sister Kathleen, are we able to share that you're sure. mm-hmm. you're moving on um, from the classroom, right. uh, but still staying within the order, mm-hmm. and you going out mm-hmm. to Philadelphia, right? Um, yes, and this is kind of again another thing where you like you listen to God's call, um, and actually, this um, what I'm 
what I'm the role I'm going to fulfill in our community is called an area delegate. We have three of them, so I'll be one of three. Um, And uh, we take um, we uh, are obviously our president and our council. They can't get around to all the sisters in the community, all the different convents. So we sort of go visit the convents and visit with the sisters, and you know, bring um, and then any anything in concerns or anything or any good things, you know, we, we all bring that back to the, we bring it back to the council and to the president. Um, we're there. Actually, one of the area delegates, when I said to her, like, what else do you do? I know that piece you do because the area delegate visits us every year. So, you know, that's the piece they do. But she said the best way she explained it to her family was that you're between a pastoral counselor and a social worker, but for our sisters. Do you know right. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's so many, there's so many pieces to it. And I had my first meeting last week at Chestnut Hill about some of the things I'm going to be doing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea no it was idea. all no these idea. things, you know? Um, but as far as coming to the decision to feel that's what God was calling me to, um, for the last six years, a couple of times when the area delegate's term was up, you know, they put out names of sisters that they, sisters put out names of sisters they think would be good for this position. So my name has surfaced over the past six years, a couple of times, several times. And so the first two times I just said, nah, I don't think I'm, I'm called to this right now. And I said, no, you know, I don't really feel right now this is where God, because I certainly wanted to stay here at St. Rose and whatever. But this was like the third time now. And oh. I thought, okay, God, I think you're, I think the third time maybe I should probably yes. you're I telling should, me something. I should probably be listening, you know. So when you, when you stay in the process, it doesn't mean you get the job. It just means you, among other sisters, have chosen to stay in the process to see, you know, who was, you know, but you, you called it a term. So does that mean in what like is the term three, four years? Yes. Well, actually, your first term is three years and then it can be renewed for three more. And, and if you choose at the end of three years that, OK, I think I'm I'm ready to go, you know, that you can opt to leave after three years or you can have it renewed for three more years. But six years is the is the limit of the term. And then when so when then in six years, you could move on to something else. Right. Right. Got it. Interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, and that there's there's other opportunities. And 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 sister, you're also making a decision. Yes. So I am. Um, I'm not going to be working in a classroom anymore here at St. Rose, but I'm going to be um, helping out in the library, and then I'm also dabbling in um, spirituality programs, finishing a spiritual direction certificate program, and then working on some. Uh, spiritual opportunities for people, uh, which is a great love of mine. Um, so, in, in our talking, I'm, I'm remembering DJ Schlegel, who graduated from here in 2002, when I asked what was the purpose of religious life. He said to point out the good that's left in this world. I loved that. So I feel the spirituality part as well as anything that I do here, that part of our role is to point out the good that's in the world. Um, people need to see that and be reminded of that. So whatever we're doing, that's what we are called to. And we're going to take a, a quick break here, but when we come back, I want to highlight something that you do in your classroom every day to highlight the good that's happening in the world and how it's kind of been paid forward back to you. We're Thank going to take a short break. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Choosing the right high school is critical. Finding the right fit is key. At St. Rose, we teach our students to push the envelope, to look beyond themselves, and to discover their full potential. Be more at St. Rose. 
watch and listen to the show extras or to check out the show notes from today's episode, visit srhsnj.com slash pop. Right. To get our show extras, to see the behind the scenes, to see the photos from the yearbook of the, the sisters back in 1960, visit us at srhsnj.com slash pop. And also to see the uh, little video that we're going to show right now. So tell everyone that's listening what, what you do every day or I guess every so often in class, every, how you every, incorporate every day in class. Every yes. day. Okay. Well, actually going back to that quote to point out the good that's re- left in this world, I feel as a teacher, um, how to help the students see there's so much goodness in this world and it isn't always brought to light. So what I always did in the beginning of my classes here for the past three years is I showed a video of a story that was filled with good news for people. And I used the CBS newsman, Steve Hartman. Uh, He was a Friday night news person and a Sunday morning. And he would have clips of about three minutes of a story that had phenomenal lessons of people's goodness, overcoming tragedies, reaching out to others. So I would show it at the beginning of class. We would talk a little bit about it. The prayer would kind of be based on what we learned from it. And I will say that was probably the very best part of the class the kids loved the stories yes. because we're yeah. basically attracted to goodness. Yeah. I think so often on the news, all we hear is like terrible stories of mm-hmm. bad things that people have done or bad things happening in the world. And we kind of miss out on that goodness that we, of people and people lose their faith in humanity a little, exactly. like watching the news and having those three minutes, even just in the beginning of your class. I, I wish that like every day I had I would do that. I'm sh- I should start doing that. And the students remember it. I had a teacher in my class uh, when I was in high school. She re- read from the Chicken Soup series. And every day in the beginning of class, she would read it. Her class had nothing to do with religion. It was a business class. But I remember that class. I remember those stories. And I got hooked on them. And then I started doing that when I became a teacher. So I think your students, from what I understood, they remember this. Yes. And what did they do? Tell everyone what, what they well, did. What I, I frequently would say, oh, I should write to Steve Hartman and tell him and yada, yada, yada. And the kids know that I love him. Um, right. And they contacted him and asked him to send me a congratulations on your retirement message, retiring from teaching. Teaching. Mm-hmm. And he did. He did. He did, Steve Hart. And the kids yes. showed it to you. I haven't watched it yet. You just sent it to me. So I, we want to share. Can we watch it? I'd love right. that. You recorded a video. It's a little loud. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it. You want me to send it to you? How do, what do you want me to I'm not lying. I swear. You want to go over there? Maybe you can hear it. I can try and play it, but. No! Yeah. yeah. You're kidding me. I'm not going to explain you. Hello, Sister Marie. It's Steve Hartman from CBS News. How great is that? Oh my God, it's Steve Hartman. Steve Hartman. I just wanted to congratulate you on your retirement. I know you're not really retiring, kind of moving into the library, but uh, you've, you're celebrating the end of 40-some years of teaching, as I understand it. So congratulations on that. And I also wanted to thank you. Um, I mean, very sincerely, I've, I've gotten lots of awards and honors over the years, but the greatest honor I just found out about recently, and that's the fact that you have been showing one of my stories every day 
We have teachers that show them maybe once a week or once a month, but as far as I can tell, you're the only one that shows one every day, and you show them in your religion class, which to me is one of the highest honors. Um, you and I are obviously of like mind, that if you're kind and you have strong character and you follow the golden rule, that everything else falls into place. So um, I'm just flattered beyond words that you chose to include me in your lessons. So, thank you, and congratulations again. I can't believe that! Are you filming me? Just, just gonna send it, I'm gonna send, we're it, gonna to send it to Steve. <laughs> I can't believe that! I hear him! Wow. I know. <laughs> Steve Harvin. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's amazing. First of all, you got to talk about I love a stove in the background. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. very I mean, cool. I don't know where, yes. but New York that he, <laughs> and he took that he took the time. Yes, yes, to send yeah. you that message. And right. he, he could tell he appreciated it. Yes, mm -hmm. and, yes. and I, I'd like to add to that. I'm certainly grateful that Steve Hartman would do that, but Christian Chinnery and Trevor Donnelly were the ones who wrote to him. So to have two students who knew how much I cared about videos that they would care that much to pay it forward it impresses me even more than steve wow or makes me mm -hmm. feel grateful even more than steve i um i reached out to christian just this morning just to see let me see if he wrote back to me i wanted to see the because apparently they took a video of you yes i didn't see that they took a video of my reaction to steve Hartman. <laughs> yes watch it Facebook page. Thousands of followers. Yeah, you say it. So you want me to say thank you, Steve Hartman? Sure. Kyle, send a message to him. I'm sending it to him. So. Steve Hartman, you made my day, week, month, year. Life is a little too dramatic. <laughs> I want to thank these guys, Christian and Trevor, who uh, sent my name into you, and thank you. And I intend to write you a letter, a real letter. Um, Thanks a bunch. All right. Bless you and your sweet family. Sister Kathleen, you have anything else you want to share? No, I think. Uh, is it going to be bittersweet for you? Yes, it is going to be very bittersweet. You know, obviously, I've loved my 15 years at St. Rose. Um, most especially, well, I love teaching the students, but of course, my time on the bench for the basketball, for yeah. the girls' basketball, and that meant a whole lot to me. They they did a wonderful tribute to me at the girls' basketball banquet that was really very nice. Um, and then, uh, uh, and certainly Kairos. Kairos yeah. was probably the most, was probably the favorite thing I did here at St. Rose. And the 15 years I was here, I had done 43 Kairos. Wow. So, um, yeah. So my friends used to always say to me, you're doing another Kairos. Aren't <laughs> you tired of Kairos? And I'd say, I never get tired because Kairos, it's the same retreat, but it's different each time because the students are different and they make, the they students make, make the retreat, you know? And, uh, and it's just so wonderful to see how God, God works through the, the, the speakers, the student leaders, speakers, and the adult speakers and, and just how God touches their hearts on that retreat. It's just, I never cease to amaze me to just watch. You can almost physically watch God touching their hearts and, and seeing the mm -hmm. difference it makes in their I need lives. To get, I need to get I received many letters afterwards from students that just told me how much that was like the most um, significant thing in their high school you know, time. So um, I believe it because when I interview the seniors, that's what they say. And then, mm -hmm. But they, can't, they don't share anymore. 
They're very tight-lipped about it, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. it makes me want to uh, at least one time in my uh, time here to be able to get to a Kairos mm-hmm. to I be able wait. to feel. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. It's a junior and senior thing or just seniors? Well, it's seniors. And then uh, in May, we usually invite some juniors to go because they need to have a Kairos before they could be a leader uh, in the fall, like for their own classmates. So Got it. Yeah. And then you're also leaving the convent because your job is taking you to Philadelphia? Yes, I'll, I'll be leaving Belmar and uh, I'll be working. My office is at our mother house at Chestnut Hill. So okay. my office will actually be there. But I'm living in a convent in the area, just actually just down the street from from the mother house. So so what's going to happen to the, because in the convent here, there's a, a special room called the the Philly room. Or the, what's going <laughs> well, to happen to that room? I think Sister Marie will keep that room I'll going. I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> She'll still keep the Philly room going. Yes, we uh, Yes, we do. That is the, that's the sports room. Like you watch all the, yep. we watch the watch sports the on games. that TV in that room. Yes. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm going to miss you. It's a pleasure to be working oh, with you over the you. last five I years. And um, I wish you all the very best. And I'm glad that you'll still be around. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, and I want to thank you and you, Ariana, mm-hmm. for including us in the podcasts and your your manner. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yes. always a pleasure. And mm-hmm. It's a pleasure, really, having talking to both of you. It's it like even though we only talked for, what is it, half an hour, yep. I feel like hearing your stories mm-hmm. kind of made me think more about like the things that I do in my life and how maybe I could be a little bit um, better in like mm-hmm. being religious and praying and everything like that. So thank mm-hmm. you. You're welcome. It's good to know the impact that you make on people's lives. And sometimes you don't hear about it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to know that it is being done yes. and, uh, and that your work is being done quietly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, well, we're not quiet. No, um, no, we talk a lot, and we have we have uh, more episodes of the Power of Potential podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Yes, school's almost over. I can't believe it. But um, I know that you're going to be busy this summer with classes, and we're going to be recording other episodes. So I hope people stay tuned to that. Again, to yes. get uh, more of our episodes. Uh, Take a look at our show notes at srhsnj.com slash pop. Make sure you subscribe, like, right? All those good yes. things. Yes, you have to subscribe and like and listen to all of them. Yes. They're all very interesting. I've enjoyed recording all of them. Thanks for listening and watching, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Power of Potential podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Subscribe to hear past and future episodes. Learn more about St. Rose by visiting our website at srhsnj.com. 